This is Michael Robbins with Contemporary Issues in Management, step number six. What are the advantages and disadvantages of being the first one to outline his or her position in a negotiation? According to the anchoring principle, the first offer made in a, in a negotiation sets up a powerful, unconscious, psychological anchor that acts as a gravitational force. Stated simply, there is a strong correlation between first offers and final outcomes. Opening offers also influence the offers that the other party makes, meaning if you open first, the other party's counteroffer is influenced by your offer. Conversely, several research investigations show a strong and powerful positive effect of making the first offer. The negotiator who puts the first offer on the table has an advantage, other factors remaining constant. That means that if you and I have done equal preparation and have similar and have similar leverage points, you will have an advantage if you want to make the first offer. When you do make a first offer, which we strongly advise you to do, keep these three points in mind. Hardly anyone accepts the first offer. So be sure you have room for maneuvering after you make it. If your first offer is too generous, you will need to you will not get credit for it. Don't make an outrageous opening offer. Sometimes negotiators think they are they can establish dominance by making an extreme offer. However, this backfires and creates a chilling effect. A chilling effect occurs when offers are so outrageous that the other party loses all motivation to continue negotiating. Ideally, your offer should be at or near what you think is the other party's best alternative to a negotiating offer. Close to the most that your buyer will pay or at least your seller will accept. Such offers are, by definition, within the realm of what other party could actually pay, but are not giving up any necessary ground. What are the advantages and disadvantages of geographically dispersed teams? What can a leader do to minimize the disadvantages? A virtual team will typically include members who work primarily from home and may have a small centralized office where meetings and group projects can be planned and implemented. Some advantages of a virtual team is affordability. With virtual teams, companies pay only for the level of support that they require, much lower cost than they would for professional consulting organizations and headhunters that have large infrastructures and personal fees to support, no overhead costs for the associated services, they have flexible support, companies identify the requirements, and the virtual teams feel the need. Companies can set the length of the service according to their needs. A full suit of services. Virtual teams offer access to multiple disciplines in different geographic regions. Some of the disadvantages of a virtual team. Communication. Not working in the same physical location can present communication challenge. Leverage technology to reduce this problem, i.e. video conferences, project management software, phone discussions. Poor leadership or management. It is essential that the leader of a virtual team have the ability to manage many initiatives and virtual employees while providing a clear vision for the team. Incompetent team members. One week 
team member can adversely affect the virtual team concept. In what ways do cultural factors influence motivation? How should managers of global operations think about motivation? Motivating anyone to change or try harder can be a tall order, even if, even when you're working with people of similar backgrounds. It's much more difficult when dealing with the employees whose values and backgrounds are different from your own. Motivation across different cultures requires extra skill and care. Managers need to accurately interpret the situation and design a strategy that fits an individual's values and needs. Here are a few things that managers can work on. <clears throat> Interpret current behavior. Effective behavior change begins with accurately interpreting why an individual is involved in undesired or subpar behavior. Understanding why a person behaves in a particular way makes it easier to modify that behavior. Communication expectations. Explain your expectations in a way that can be understood by someone who was not raised in your same culture. You would be surprised how often employers and managers fail to explain what they want and why they want it. But it's important when you're focusing on motivation across different cultures. Emphasize positive reinforcement. Reinforcement desired behavior. Most of the time this is simple. Notice that work that workers are performing well and praise them for it. However, as Erin Myers notes in her book, The Cultural Map, Breaking Through the Invisible Boundaries of Global Business, when it comes to motivation across different cultures, this step becomes a bit tricky. <clears throat> Behaviors such as expressing problems or admitting a lack of understanding can be difficult to reinforce because there is the temptation to shoot the messenger. It is understandably difficult for managers to praise the worker who arrives bearing news of a missed deadline or broken piece of equipment. But still, try to distance yourself from the problem long enough to praise the staff member for keeping you informed and encourage them to continue to do so. A word on communicating. For all the steps, li for all the steps listed above, effective communication is critical, but it's important to remember that's what effective in one culture may not work well in another. If you're finding your way of expressing ideas and feedback is not having the desired motivational effect, do your homework, read up on the cultures involved, and adjust your approach.